Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Nigro again uh, with our second edition of Psychology Unplugged. One to focus on today is the concept of change. Boy, some of us love it. Some of us hate it. We mind changing our clothes. We don't mind changing what direction we're going in. Um, we don't mind changing when we eat for dinner. Um, but when you get into this concept of psychological change, and I remember being asked this question in my doctoral program, why do people change? Um, the most logical answer would be, well, because they want to. Wrong. Because someone's telling them to. Wrong. Because a spouse is, a probation officer is, a judge is. All wrong. From a psychological and psychiatric perspective, people only change when they're uncomfortable. So think about adjusting yourself in the chair. You go from a state of perceived discomfort to a state of perceived comfort. Until somebody gets to that point of saying, I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting this way, therapeutic change cannot occur. Now, change from another perspective, if we kind of go back into the history of psychology, was a major shift, a paradigm shift, really, between the Freudian notion of the human psyche and the opposing position of Freud's student, Adler. Now, most of you guys are aware, you know, Freud is a lot of respect for him because he was the first person to come up with a psychological theory to explain human behavior. You can go back into Hippocrates, Socrates, way back uh, into history. But they used to meet at these Wednesday night circles in Vienna. And Freud obviously was the guru at the time. And his perspective was that we're governed by these invisible forces, the id, the ego, and the superego. And here comes a Adler, a student, Alfred Adler, and says, I don't agree. Everything is a choice. There's no such thing as the unconscious. And from my personal perspective, there is no such thing as the unconscious. We've been able to map the brain out. There's no structure labeled the unconscious. But Adler's definition is something that I, I, I agree with, and I think there's a lot of validity to it. And what he said in terms of the unconscious, he said, the unconscious is simply that part of ourselves which we have yet to fully come to understand. Okay, now, how do we deal with change and choices? We're all forced, we're not forced, but we're all presented throughout the day, throughout our lives, with opportunities to make choices. What do I want to eat? Where do I want to go? What do I want to wear? What do I want to say? And one of the most empowering things about choices is we all have them. Now, at different points of our life, depending where we're at, we may not like the choices that are available to us. The options may be more limited. Nevertheless, we are the architects of our own life, and we are responsible for our choices and for the consequences of our choices. So there's an interesting model that I uh, developed by Rotter, 
um, it's called the locus of control model. And if you're listening at home, grab a piece of paper, or if you can, if you drive and visualize this. So if you take a piece of paper and you draw a box, a rectangle, and split the rectangle into four separate squares. At the outside of the left upper box, you put the word external. Bottom left lower box, internal. Now in the top left box, you want to put the word luck. In the top right box, you want to put the words task difficulty. The bottom left box, you want to put effort. effort. No, I'm sorry, ability. The fourth box at the bottom, you want to put effort. Now, this is how we can explain a lot of how and why things happen. Again, this is called the locus of control model. So we take luck. You and I are driving down the highway, same color car, same speed. Cop pulls me over. You go off. That's just luck. No rhyme or reason to it. Some things happen just by pure luck. Now, can we enhance luck? Yeah, absolutely. So someone says, oh, I, you know, Doc, I, I never win the lottery. All right, how many lottery tickets do you buy? Well, I don't buy any. Okay, well, you don't have much of a chance to become lucky. If you buy one lottery ticket, you increase your chances of becoming more lucky. If I bought 10 lottery tickets, I'm increasing my chances tenfold than you of becoming more lucky at winning the lottery. Okay, let's slide over to the top right, task difficulty. Some tasks are just difficult, and let's take the ACT or the SAT. Now, you can take prep courses, you could take study courses, but you don't actually get to practice on the actual exam. Other people sometimes set the parameters and set the expectations and the outcome measures that, you know, we don't have much control over. But we can reduce task difficulty by applying effort. So if I study more, I'm more likely to pass an examination. All right, let's go down to the bottom two boxes. Uh, bottom left is ability. Some of us have natural abilities. Some of us have abilities that have um, enhanced or grown as a result of practice. And abilities are something that through practice, we can actually enhance and improve upon. Now, the fourth box in the bottom right is the most important because that's effort. That's all us. That is completely within our purview of how much we want to put in. Now, it's interesting how all four of these boxes are interconnected. Now, we have the external at the top, the internal at the bottom. So, <clears throat> when I was a, cat, uh, a catcher, catching a knuckleball was a really, really hard thing to do. Because you have no idea where the ball is going. All right? So... I would spend extra time enhancing my craft at becoming a better catcher for one of the pitchers who threw knuckleballs. All right. So by in putting the effort in 
through practice and extra work and extra training, it increased my ability level to catch a knuckleball, which made the task difficulty of catching a knuckleball easier and therefore improved my, enhanced my uh, ability to be lucky at actually catching a knuckleball. So it's a really cool model how this works. And, um, I've always had people kind of draw this out or write this out. And I always refer to them as go back to the boxes. When you're looking to explain something, go back to the boxes. Is it you or is it something else? Because we have a tendency to be very hard on ourselves. Um, so if you can draw the boxes, keep them in your back pocket. I've had people I bumped into like, Doc, I still have the boxes. It helps so much and it helps me kind of understand what's me and what's just the world. Um, another interesting thing in terms of how we explain how things happen is what's called the fundamental attribution error, fundamental attribution bias. Now, in this model, <clears throat> If I succeed at something, I get an A on an exam, I attribute my success to dispositional factors. I'm smart. If I get a bad grade on the test, I attribute it to the teacher was a jerk and the test was biased and it was too hard. Okay? Now, if somebody else succeeds on a task, say they win the lottery, what we say is they were just lucky. We attribute somebody else's successes to situational factors. When somebody else fails, uh, he was just a jerk. We attribute it to dispositional factors. So these are interesting things. I want to kind of lay the groundwork before I get into talking about the actual disorders, because these are things that are going to pop up in terminology that I will try and use. Um, there's one quote that has stuck with me that I can't tell you how many people I've, I've said, put this on your screensaver, put this on your phone. I want you to visualize this. This is a quote by Abraham Maslow. And some of you may be familiar with him. He was the hierarchy of needs, you know, but the bottom food, water, air, and shelter at the top was, you know, self-actualization. In his model, uh, Jesus and Buddha were the only ones that achieved it. The model has since been revised that we're able to self-actualize in multiple ways, multiple times. His quote, he said, one of the most important and fundamental and difficult tasks of life is to learn to become independent of the good opinions of other people. And I was just like, oh my God, that is so powerful. Learn to become independent of the good opinions of other people. And I emphasize the learn because we live our lives in many ways, sometimes like chameleons. We, we, we can say, I don't care what you think of me, but is it true? No, we do care. Do some people personalize them more? Does it impact them more? Absolutely. But if that's one quote that you can kind of just, you know, brand into your mind, it will help you because it's about autonomy. It's about separating what's what's me, what's you, what's the world. Until next time, um, appreciate all the all the feedback. Reach out at Psychology Unplugged at 
outlook.com with any questions. And again, be trying to do this on a weekly basis. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks much. Take care. Bye-bye.